Hello and welcome to the Comics Pals Book Club. Today we are here to talk about one of the books that's very important to me. This is a book that was voted on by the listeners, as all book clubs are. This is Lazarus. We are here to talk about volumes one through three of Greg Rucka and Michael Lark's Lazarus, an image book from 2013 that um, really was a part of a uh, an era of dystopian sci-fi future books that image was putting out so, uh, we had saga in a way mm-hmm. uh you had uh, uh visible republic, right? republic which yeah. i adore as well so roche limit, was about to do like... stuff there too roche limit wow i haven't Yo. thought about that one in a while roche limit Yo, was that, good. it was very good yeah. remember copperhead another good one. Oh yeah. yeah copperhead was good i don't think i finished that one but i remember that I enjoyed this image this image era a lot because even mm-hmm. like Low by Rick Remenders is in there as well. So a lot of great books um, that uh, that really set a, a particular tone in comics. But this one, Lazarus, has always stuck out to me, and it's one of the reasons why I nominated it, nominated it for this month's book club because Lazarus feels like it's uh, just a few moments in the future mm-hmm. for our world in a lot of ways, which is a horrifying thought. Spooky. Um, it, it, it is spooky. And the reason why I love it so much is because it takes it takes the the familial drama of of like a Game of Thrones, the the kingdoms and the families and things like that being the ruling class. Um, and it fuses it with like a like a Terminator, or there's even a I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream reference here, 1984. It gives me all of that stuff, too. It's like a blend of those things. And so what is Lazarus? Let's talk about that. So Lazarus is a world that is essentially uh, run by businesses, corporations. Yeah. Uh, 16 families, 16 corporations uh, that are all family businesses that have each found ways to rise and become uh, dominant in the world to the point where they supersede governments. And that ain't good. No, sir. Capitalism to the extreme. Yes. This is essentially if the, the, the Sackler family ran the, (laughs) the West coast of the United States instead of an actual government. They're the ones that made Oxycontin. Okay. Purdue. Uh, yeah, they were. No, it is Sackler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is Sackler. I think. Yep. I don't know. The company was Purdue Pharma. Right, right. That's it. Well, each each of the companies came up a different way, and it, and it is really interesting. Like if you if you read the individual issues uh, in the letters pages, they actually show you the backstory of the different families and businesses that run everything. Oh, we don't get um, that here. Yeah, and that was a concession that they had to make for the collected editions. And, you know, we're going to talk about that because Lazarus has an interesting history. So yeah. and Lazarus is still going on, by the way, like 10 years deep. Is it like Lazarus <laughs> like, X now or something? So La- it was Lazarus X plus 66, um, which is a, re- that's a reference. <laughs> Sorry? It feels like a Ten of Swords sort of thing. House, House of Ten. Yeah. Right. Well, that's a reference to the year. Okay. Um, Got it. And then I think the last actual issue of Lazarus was 28, and that dropped in September of 2022, I believe. Only 28? I think, yeah. After 10 years. 
Holy shit. What, uh, all right. I'm assuming the, we'll get into that. The newer ones are bigger sized. Right. Am I, am I right so they're bigger, uh, and they're they release uh quarterly. At least that's how it's supposed to release. Yeah. Um, so I think they're on like a six six month hiatus right now, something to something of that nature. It's a journey, and we'll get more into that later. Um, but in addition to the idea of the families, there's also the idea of the Lazarus. It's not just a cool title. Uh every one of the families has a Lazarus pretty much, which is a person or some kind of a creature or object that represents the family and is their defender, their protector um, in some form or fashion. It's not always a physical threat um, the way that the main character of the story is uh, forever Carlisle. She's the Lazarus of the Carlisle family. They're not always a physical threat. Um, sometimes they could be doing espionage. They could be doing political disruption. Uh, it could be a robot. Like it could be a lot of different things. And I think that's one of the places where Greg Rucka finds space to play um, is the different kinds of Lazari that we get to see. Although that's not explored as much as it would be later in the first three volumes that we do read here. Um, yeah, we only get like hints of it in these first three. Like, like, uh, the one from the the one where a guy is pretty much like a T two Terminator. Um, yes, that would be yeah. I know you're jo talking. Uh, Joachim, uh, Joachim, yeah. Joachim. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And then uh, there's that Chinese see, he, one from from China. That's like a real smart dude. Something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because, like, I feel like. Um, uh, forever is more uh, I don't know how to put it like anatomical because Joaquin is it looks like he's a, almost a robot like an android of some sort because when there there's that one scene where they get blown up and he's just like part metal and it doesn't sure, yeah. look like has blood whereas she will bleed she cuts she has flesh and they somehow put her back together at the end of the day the reason for that is that each of the families has a specialty and generally that involves the way they came up in business and the Lazarus that they have is influenced by that. So the Lazarus, the, the Carlisle family Lazarus, which is forever is a biological biologically created Lazarus, which is in line with the Carlisle family business and the their biggest secret. The resurrection. Yeah. Oh, okay. And the fact that they can stay young for extended periods of time. Um, that's that's their uh, that's their like superpower, as it were. Gotcha. Okay. The whole Carlisle family are they're actually way older than they look. Yeah. Does, does that get explored later? Because I feel like that's not immediately it is. Okay. Uh, uh so in the conclave arc, which is the third arc, um, whenever the Hawk, Jacob Hawk, captures um, Johan, I believe it was. Yep. Um, what he wants from him that makes sense. is the secret to how they're able to stay so young. Jacob is old and has physical disabilities that he wants their secrets to overcome. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Um, before we get any deeper, your familiarity with Lazarus coming into this conversation is what, Tyler? For me, I did buy the first issue. I might have bought more than the first issue as well. Um, 
at the time, I I was a huge Greg Rucka fan. Um, you know, Batwoman Elegy is one of my favorite, probably the my favorite run of Detective Comics. Um, but it's up there, and then you know, like there's this team alone. They they worked on um GCPD, Michael Lark and and Greg Rucka oh, with Rick really? Baker. They worked on GCPD, yeah, which is one of my other favorite books. So, uh, this was kind of like a no brainer for me. Um, I did drop off after a bit though, because it became it, the delays. You kind of ruined it for yeah. me. Um, yeah. Uh, to the point where, like, reading this in trade, I was like, "All right, this feels like how it's supposed to be read." You know, like, I'm 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 more of this part where it's like, "All right, just put out trades, don't put out single issues." At this point, but, um, yeah, and I remember it, the, what got me was the first issue. There is a giant map, and I love a good map. From, from what I remember, I don't have it. I don't see it in the trades, so I, I can't even tell you. But, um. I remember the map I was like, all right, here's some world building. I like this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, and, you know, that's what kind of got me into it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a good team. Uh, the team alone, and I was pretty much reading any, any image number one that came out at the time. So um, it, it was an image boom at the time. So, yeah, I was into all of it. How about you, Marco? Um, from the time that it came out, I was familiar with it by title alone. It wasn't until on a previously part of our pals polls, uh, I guess game uh, that I read it and I, I loved it. It was, I was tasked to read two issues, I believe, um, or the very least one. And I made it through almost like the first trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that we we came back to revisit, I was very excited because um, I did want to finish it or at least get further in and, uh, it was a rewarding experience. So uh, two times, Sean, that you give me good books to read, I guess. Listen, uh, that's what I'm known for. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm waiting for you to return the favor. This is why my Ooh. pick of Ultimatum didn't win. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, so going back to the idea of how we got to this awful, awful world. Um, there is a lot of inherent uh, world building that gets done. This book got a ton of praise for its world building. Um, and they kind of resisted that praise to some degree by saying that, you know, the world building really is done in character, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think is, is, is true. And we'll return to that point, but a lot of homework was done on the part of Greg Rucka to figure out how we got here, why the world is the way it is, who did it and what their history is. And so, like I said before, every issue features a breakdown of, you know, these different families and who runs them and, and, and their place in the world. Um, and so I wanted to run through one of them because it's the most important one. You know, the, the story is about the Carlisles largely And everything can be traced back to Malcolm Carlisle. Uh, He's the progenitor of the Carlisle family. He's the one that founded Carlisle Capital Investment, heretofore referred to as CCI. Uh, CCI goes on to buy Monsanto, a company that most people are probably familiar with. Let's go. Uh, you should not be praising Monsanto. We will we will not accept that on this podcast. Monsanto oh, helped. Uh, they they sponsored one of the original rides that opened in Tomorrowland at Disney Disneyland. 
Wow. I feel mixed. I have mixed feelings about that now. <laughs> That's what took you over? <laughs> yeah. It's the Disneyland the Monsanto, Monsanto House of the Future. Great, great retro uh, modern design. Never mind. Disney adults love that again. I'll put them back away. Fine. In the bottle. So then they rebrand as the Carlisle Future Foundation uh, that is then brought on to consult economically struggling nations and aid them in solving their woes. This infusion of cash and agriculture uh, into Greece led to the Greek government privatizing their economy under CCF control. So you can imagine how bad something like that could potentially be, where a corporation has financial control over an entire um, nation. That's incredible. And to take over the economy, like that's wild. And I feel like we're probably at a point where companies could probably maybe not yet but could vie for oh financially monetarily we have the sort of purchase power that parity to be able to say oh yeah i could you know buy out x country or i can give you a loan wasn't there an announcement of like disney or apple now giving out bank loans or something uh apple cards yeah apple cards can do bank loans now yeah think so yeah so like yo we're getting there at some point it, greece just needs to have another financial crisis and somebody will scoop them up i mean well th- yeah this happened like right when the first greece financial crisis happened i think that's that's what kind of triggered this idea probably but i think mm-hmm. even even like it was google or, or tesla or something where the idea of uh the, the 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 employees live in in the area where they work and they're given like Tesla money or Google money to pay for goods within that bubble. Like that's been explored before. Um, many versions of this, this corporate fiefdom have been talked about. Was it successful? Hell no. It's a fucking wasteland. It never actually happens. It's just, oh. I, I think it'd been talked about. Dang. That'd be, that'd be interesting. interesting. So the, sa- the same uh, kind of thing happens in other nations, uh, Portugal, Uh, places in Africa, Central America. So really like going after minority um, uh, nations and uh, third world nations and taking them over from a financial standpoint. Um, The next domino to fall is China as they begin to destabilize as their economy falls apart, leading to rivals of CCF, including Bittner Economic Advisory Foundation to aid China. Uh, CCF and Bittner go to war via proxy in Indonesia, which CCF goes on to win. Uh, That means that these corporations funded opposing sides in a war. That's what that means. And so the Indonesian government was fighting against rebels. Bittner uh, sided with the government. CCF funded the rebels and CCF ended up uh, winning that conflict via the rebels. China's problems lead to global panic uh, leading towards the World Bank, IMF, and other world financial powers granting these independent firms unprecedented sweeping powers. A worldwide uprising then takes place after Roman Bittner is recorded referring to poor people as wastes, which which results in the death of 3.9 million people. Whoa, It's it's a big number. Just big old uh, uh, GTA wasted. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
the 16 heads of these independent firms meet to create the Macau Accords, which effectively effectively represents the end of government control over the world. And they carved the world up and they divvied it up and they're responsible for each section of the world that they now control. Not dissimilar from uh, Alan Moore's Twilight of the Superheroes pitch, um, mm. where each of the superhero houses governed a specific a specific slice of America. This is that just the world over. I'd be okay living under P&G. I feel like they got good products, good hair care. I'd be all right with that. You, you want to be a corporate slave? Jesus Christ. He I mean, already is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I should figure out what my next Disney World trip is. They could pay for my food and my lodging? I don't mind. Okay, sure. Already there. So it becomes well, out of my paycheck. It's funny that you're making that joke because uh, this is a world that exists similar, similarly to that. Like, this is a post-economic world. Mm-hmm. There's not really any money. Um, this book is dealing with the concept of um, complete ownership, not the representation of ownership through money, but actual power, actual control. You know, um, you, right, if you own, if you own, quote unquote, a house and it's not paid off, you don't own the house, right? The house is owned by the bank right. and they can repossess that at any time. Well, um, Carlisle is the bank, yeah. but Carlisle is also the government. And that's it. Like, that's all that there is. And there's no one to appeal to, no one to turn to. This is just the way, the, the way of the world. Like anti-socialism. It's just like the reverse. <laughs> the exact opposite. Literally everything, like the loan that you buy is owned by the Carlisle family. The ground, the tools, the thing, like right. Every- you, your your existence is based only on the success and or failure of the individual ruling guess, family. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. Which hmm. I mean Why are if, you okay with it? <laughs> I'm not I'm not okay with it, but I'm I'm entertaining the idea. You're chewing right? it you're chewing it over, like, mm, well, you know. Well, because less right, decisions right. I have to make. <laughs> Because post uh, right, the whole idea of like capitalism and this as an interesting way to deal with a post-capitalistic society, like a, a what, what is what is a a next step is all right if your if your systems are all fin- incentive based, right? The incentive ideally should be if you are content and happy with where you work and where you live, you will produce a better employee, and ultimately that will help the company there in this government which will then reflect back onto you because they will be able to provide you with better again idealized right whether or not that plays out is a separate uh is a separate thing but (laughs) but like the theory there is interesting capital Uh, interesting yeah i i feel like this book is a pretty good example of what would probably happen yeah in a similar scenario we see that this is a wasteland you know um, it is a horrible place. If you're not in the family, your life's probably not that great. Um, there are three designations of people. There's the family, there's the serfs, and there's the waste. Family is family. Um, and if you're family, you're God. You know, like, you're only beholden to your own family. There's no one else whose word means more than yours or who has more power than you have. 
Sean, stop me if this gets touched upon further on, but I feel like there's a distinct lack of race discussion in this, whereas I feel like this world, if it were realistic, that would be a very particular part of it. I never, I don't recall really ever seeing anything okay. like that. I think that um, hmm. every, so every family is different and, every, and the way they deal with things is different. We see things from the Carlisle point of view yeah. and the vibe that I get is that they're so greedy and yeah. they're so consumed by power that things like race are actually just, it's they're above it. Not well, because yeah. money, trumps not because, racism. Yeah. Yeah, not because they're not evil just because there's no value in being racist. It's not financially incentivized. Yeah. Racism is born out of financial uh, necessity, not necessity, but financial desire, right? Like the ability to have a slave means that you have free labor and free labor is getting something for nothing. So just figuring out a way to justify that via racial tension, purely motivated by money. And yeah. now but we have racism, but in this world, there's no need for that because there is no money. Everybody is a slave. Or, it's, or, it's classism over racism. Um, yeah, yeah. Which um, there's no class. There's yeah. there's, when, there's when you have a waste and the serfs, there's no reason to have. Uh, right. Well, that is the class, is it not? Well, you have it, the, the family, you have the serfs, and you have the waste. That is sure. those are the. Yeah. So 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 in in real life, right? And we should we should talk about the the the, the concrete elements of the book in a moment. But yeah. in in real life, you know, you Marco, let's let's say for example, you started off poor, and you get a great job. You know, you work hard, and you you know now you're in the middle class, right? And then let's say you work really hard, and all of a sudden you're you're like a CEO of your company, like you've worked that hard. You've elevated yourself into the uh, the upper class. You know, you are now in the highest class you could be in. Um, you're not a billionaire, but you're never going to hurt for money. Your life is great, right? That's not possible in Lazarus. Mm. The, there, mm. Because there's no money, you cannot work your way into better. Into station. Right. We see the lift concept come up a little bit later on. That's the yeah. only upward mobility but there's a, a cap on how far you can go because you're not family it's literally not possible to become family oh okay so that contextualizes lift the lift better in that case because you're you're trying to move social and economic stations in a system that does not allow it and so there has to be some sort of avenue to do so that is manufactured and that is yeah. okay how yeah. do you incentivize slavery really you can't unless you you know dangle a carrot at the end of a stick right yeah. Dang, and if okay. you think about like you know um a slave who was able to be in the house yeah. you know and serve inside the house that individual had their lodgings taken care of food and things like that but they were still a slave that had a master right so there's no classism and there's no there's no class designation in slavery everybody's a slave just different tiers of slave. Sure. And I think that's what we have here. So to me, this is the explosion, the blow, blowing up of, of uh, classism, creating one ruling class, and everybody else serves the ruling class. However you perform that function is 
how you perform it, but you serve at the pleasure of the family. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I'd argue is uh, scarily one of the more realistic uh, uh, end goals of our current real life. <laughs> so <laughs> I can't disagree. Um, but we've we've been macro so far. So let's go let's go micro because this story does have a main character and it does have a heart and soul uh, beyond all this awfulness. And that starts and and and, and really is centered around forever. Forever Carlisle, who uh, is referred to as a sibling of the other Carlisles, the daughter of Malcolm. Um, of course, that is a question mark across the story. That's something that forever is confronted by. Um, this is very much a coming of age story. I like to think of it as like a, a Disney princess story that has a, <clears throat> that has very, very dark uh, undertones um, because let uh forever is a is you know she's a 19 year old girl you know in the story she's um 19 yeah she's uh yeah she's yeah. very 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 efficient at killing she's a tremendous killer she's a genius strategist and tactician um she's trained in all manner of combat um you know sword fighting gunplay everything right and she's who you send if you need to get the job done. She's a Terminator. She's Arnold Schwarzenegger. She's that thing that will kill you, right? That you don't cross. But she's also Ariel from The Little Mermaid. She's innocent. She doesn't know much from the world outside her home. Mm. Uh, she's never been kissed. She's never been in love. You know, she's, uh, she's childlike in a lot of ways. Naive naive and so it's that juxtaposition of a naive girl who wants love and happiness and really to be a good person and be treated with kindness and love as well and the war and violence that she's very efficient at i think that was probably one of the most interesting like character pieces for her like to your earlier point on this being a character driven story yeah you see from the very first issue where she has to decide whether or not to kill somebody who has taken ownership for some sort of action that the family has deemed um, both irresponsible and harmful to the company, right? Mm. And she sits there and she ruminates over it because she's conflicted. And you can see that in that issue and then in two and three, they address that and they try to talk about it and, and realize, okay, she is deviating from some sort of set, uh, I guess, ground rules that they have provided for her, and that becomes a concern. She she is she has not learned the values that the family has decided to input into her, and she's breaking out of her own. And that part was really cool to see because, uh, as much as she is part of this family and can be manipulated by the family based on her attachment to it, she still ultimately becomes her own person and tries to. Uh, showcase that in her actions in doubting the very not doubting um i guess in reflecting and questioning after she has done an action she wants a reason because for her it doesn't make sense and that part was the most is probably the most interesting part is she will do a thing but come back and not directly question authority but feel unsure about it mm -hmm. and and it's worth pointing out that she's biologically uh uh, breaking 
the family's rules, disobeying, doing things that they don't want her to do is physically painful for her because of how she's been, you know, biologically programmed for lack of a better phrase. And so that adds to what you're saying about the fact that even though it hurts her to do it, she's still thinking outside the box and she's still questioning the nature of her reality. You know, if it, it is a lot like the matrix, she's waking up mm. to the way that the world is not right. And she sees that even though her experience of the world is extremely different, she has the pleasure. She can experience any pleasure she wants. She can eat any food she wants. She can drink any drink. She, she can do anything she wants, but she knows that that, is not typical that most yeah. people 99.9 percent of people on earth are living an extremely worse life than her like the, a horrible life the matrix analogy is good because even you know her her the beginnings of her questioning it is due to a mysterious person texting her over phone you know right well it's a little like follow a rabbit right there yeah and, and the things that make her able to be different, we see are present in her life uh, when she was younger. You know, the, the second arc, uh, Lift, includes some flashback portions to forever as a younger woman or a woman, a young girl. Yeah. And her teacher mm. is kind to her. Mm. You know, her teacher uh, is, is compassionate and wants her to succeed. And we see that that actually is a huge influence on forever. I, I questioned that part, honestly. Um, I questioned as if I'm the Carlisle family, why do I want someone who can think for themselves and have emotions? You know, when you see some of these other Lazari later on, you know, there are, there's some that are a lot more, you know, quite literally robotic, but um, who don't have that kind of, nuance to them so that almost like as i'm seeing that i'm like oh that's gonna be the downfall of the carlisle family is making that decision you know i um, i view i view that as like nuance right you want somebody who can better think for themselves and in order to do that you have to so the the trainer's name marisol right you, you want to be able to provide a nuance to allow forever to think independently if she only takes direction then she is only a pointed tool right and i think that is of lesser sure. value to somebody who wants to be strategic who wants to be able to infiltrate who wants to spy and i think you need to have that level of complexity i think the degree to which it is provided is the downfall but i think it's needed to become unfortunately like a more efficient lazarus one thing, and maybe it's just it was my reading comprehension, but specifically with the flashbacks to to Young Forever, um, I wasn't sure it was Forever. Um, She's mad young, right? I I thought it was possible that they were training another one, and then it was concurrent with the story. It's like, oh, they have a backup Forever just in case they know, you know, she's a little, you know, too adventurous, mm. um, and it was. I mean, I, I was kind of cemented in not thinking that towards, I think, like the second to last flashback that we get. I'm like, all right, I get it now. Um, but I wasn't sure because I don't think we got time. We didn't get like, you know, like, oh, 20 years ago or anything like that. Um, narratively, this book does not hold your hand, which is what I like about it. Mm. Um, but 
I was almost thinking like, oh, is there going to be a twist here? Like we're meant to think that this is flashbacks, but it's not. Um, mm. But yeah. Um. So the the key thing to think about when it comes to the Lazari, and this is not something that the book itself is explicit about, but if you read a lot of the back matter, um, you get you get the idea of they're extremely, extremely, extremely expensive to mm. produce and maintain. And so having more than one is not really that feasible. It's not impossible. It's just that it would require a lot. And forever in particular is high maintenance because it's all biological. You can't just take a part mm. and replace it. Like they, they do have spare parts for her. And like things like that. Arm, she can get it back. Yeah, but she, she can. But like Joaquin, you know, you can just replace whatever breaks yeah yeah you know they've got the pieces and things like that forever's being maintained through drugs she's being maintained through all kinds of things which costs a lot of money um can you give us a tease as to what that because because they they mention repairs and they mention maintenance but they never go into detail about it does that get explored later with like like specificity of like oh they grow a body part versus they take it from somebody I feel like something that would be explored in back matter, I feel. Yeah, again, all that stuff is really um you you just really have to read the back matter. Is there they a Lazarus have, handbook or something? So yes, there is a source book. Oh. <laughs> there are several source books. Um oh, yeah. there's a source book for uh, a few of the different families and you get the ins and outs of how their families work because they are all different. They don't all have lifts, for example. That concept of a lift doesn't translate exactly to each family interesting and the way they control the pop their populations is also different we see that in hawk um which is an east coast based family hawk controls the his population through drugs that's right yeah um and even his lazarus is controlled through drugs so they all have a different strategy this is just the carlisle family strategy hmm. um and you know to tyler mentioned this being a mistake on their end to make forever able to think and operate and things like that. They clearly um, wanted a loyalty that you can't necessarily fabricate. And to her, she's family. She's as much family as Johanna or Johan or Stefan or any of them. And that is the loyalty that they're looking for. Their slogan is family above all, you know, um, so that's why she's a family member, and that's why she believes that to be the case. They're not all like that. Not all of the Lazari are even under the illusion that they're family. Yeah, some understand that they're tools. Yes. And they're not all even programmed to care about it. Damn, dude. Who's picked these heady books? This is the shit I like, man. I, I know. It is just good. Marco's like, I want Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> 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 give me but that's also heady i don't like that's also it's a different type it's a, very yeah. different type yeah i i really enjoy forever as a character um she's someone that i feel a lot of sympathy for because she is a good person you got simpy um, for her got what simpy that's how scott steiner pronounces it sorry i couldn't why would you oh my god all right anyway <laughs> that would be a joke um, for sean uh she she's a good person and she wants the best 
resolution for any situation that she is in. And she would like to cause as little harm as possible, especially to people that she feels don't deserve harm. Whereas we see that the other members of the Carlisle family aren't as unwilling to cause harm onto people that don't deserve it. Um, But they're also very greedy. So they don't kill wantonly, but it's only because, or at least it's implied, that it's only because everybody has a value. Not in a figurative sense, like you can be whatever you want. No, everyone has a literal value in that they serve in some way. And so killing someone unnecessarily or harming them beyond the point to which they could perform their function is just loss. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, if you were met, if you were, if you were um, a producer of, let's say, comic books, for example, and you got mad because something was going wrong. And so you burned down the place where where the comics are, are made. You know? fans. Yeah, that, <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't help anything. Right. Sure. So that's the idea. Um, but she's not like that. We see that when she's forced to have to choose between killing everybody, uh, she be- there was a there was a uh, someone who was working against the family, and that fam that 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 family of people. Um, and they- and she said, "I'm gonna either have to kill all of you, or one of you will tell me who did it." And the old man steps up and says, "It was him," and she what kills him. Ballsy yeah. dude. That's what you got to do. The, the way she, the reason she kills him is a caring reason because she knew if she didn't, more people would die. Right. Mm-hmm. So even in an act of brutal violence, um, you can see that she has like a heart more than anyone in her family actually would. And she even goes and apologizes to yeah. his family. And they're like, what the fuck are you apologizing for? <laughs> fuck because you. she can do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she can do it. Right. She has the ability to kill whoever she wants, and that's what it is. And no one no one can say anything about it. And I love that complexity. I love, first of all, I'm a huge Greg Rucka fan. Yeah. I think that Greg Rucka is one of the sharpest writers in comics. But the way that he takes forever in this super, super complicated world, and he bakes that complexity into her character where it's like, we just we know she did a violent, vicious act, and we still care about her, and we're still on her team because we sympathize and we understand why she makes these choices. I I gotta tell you, like I didn't, I learned to like her more, but like in that in that moment with you know when she goes to visit you know the 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 daughter of the the guy yeah. she killed, it felt a lot like you know a rich kid thinking they could just do whatever they want and kind of like not really thinking of how it, it, it affects people. It's a bit of silver spoon, which I think is a nuanced, um, I think is kind of built into her as a nuanced thing. Cause she is this rich kids, kid, you know, rich person's kid in a way. Um, and her trying to come to terms with, you know, her role in the world, I think is something that I'm, I started to see, you know, as she, you know, kind of grows and becomes an adult. Uh, throughout the you know, at least the first three volumes, and I expect I, it to go there eventually. I I would have agreed with that if it was someone like Jonah, like Jonah Carlisle going and being like, "Oh yeah, I killed this person." You know, whoops. Where I feel like <laughs> he doesn't have the he doesn't have the mindset or emotional capacity to be able to say, "You know, I know that the thing that I did 
was wrong, not because it was inherently wrong, but because the way that it served my larger purpose was not of value to Sean's earlier point, wherefore forever it was, I understand that this is a necessary step insofar as I am required to do it, but I don't feel good about it. Jonah wouldn't care. Jonah wouldn't have the sympathy where, and I think that would be the distinction is she can, she can feel sorry where Jonah chooses not to, or the family might choose not to. The dad, I mean, fucks his own son over because he doesn't even care. Where forever questions, doesn't question it directly, but feels a way about uh, about that like plot. She understands that that is a scheme and it, yeah. she feels uncomfortable. For me, it wasn't the act of killing the guy. Like I understood that, that it was the, the, the apology. And I'm viewing it from the, the, mm. the person's perspective, like the daughter's perspective. It's like, oh, you're just apologizing to me so you feel better. You know? Sure, okay. Um, yeah. And that's where, like, I liked that part of it, you know? I liked how she's apologizing to make herself feel a little better about it, I think. I think her, her goal really is to, like, oh, I want to, you know, I want to show them I'm a good guy. But, like, you're not. You killed my dad. It doesn't matter, you know? Wow, that is a completely different read than I... I yeah. wow. But I I'm, I'm reading that she's growing, I, and I can see her growing past that. But it did. Re- I was just I was in the shoes of the the daughter in that one. Mm. Like fuck you. I, I don't even think that's what the daughter was thinking. I think the daughter's like shocked. Like wow, mm, you don't right, have yeah. to do this, and you're you're doing it. That's so weird. This is uncanny because none of you are like that. Yeah. Um. And I think forever's thinking that she feels like shit about what she did. And she feels like crap about what she took from this woman. And all she can do is apologize. She as powerful as she is physically, she has none of that power in any other way because she doesn't live like that. It's worth remembering that all her family, regardless of how they look are decades and decades and decades older than her. So she's really a kid for real. And everything is new to her. Especially socially and, as well. Sorry? Socially as well. Socially, she might as than, well be five years old. Yeah. Yep. That that's actually interesting. So then can we assume in that same like complexity, let's say we apply that to the age of maybe over time you realize how little value a life can be and so it becomes more utilitarian. Whereas for her, because she is so young, she sees the value in life and appreciates it more than the rest of the family. Like I'm, I'm not assuming that on the, at the, and I don't know if this gets explored later, but I'm not, I'm, I'm assuming that in the onset of all of this, yes, maybe the, the Carla family was devious, but I don't think they had nefarious intentions. I don't think that they were ultimately the evil that they became or have become. And I wonder if over time it is because they've acquired this wealth, they've grown older and they have seen that, the value of individuals over time and the the stretch of their life is not actually as valuable as people who can live a normal life might ascribe to it. You're giving a lot of leeway to horrible people. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think I probably agree with what Tyler's saying, but I want to engage in a dialogue with you about that anyway. So, Okay. (laughs) Okay. um, I'm fascinated by the idea that there's, there are forces in the world and there are things that happen that don't involve good or evil. 
Um, it's just what it is, and it could it could be bad. Like for example, you know, nature's not evil, but yet earthquakes and hurricanes kill untold amounts of people yearly, right? Sure. Um, corporations are not people. They're run by people. They're operated by people, but corporations are not human beings. And so was the agenda of the Carlisle Corporation to, to harm humans? No, it was to make money. And making that money led to the harming of millions of people. And we talked about that. Um, and so I think that's where the evil comes in. And then also their personalities and the things that we see them do. I think that there's a world in which like, I'd like to see them not be like that. I think the story is compelling if they're if if all they've done is make a lot of money and that's the only way that they've harmed the world that's still really fucked but they're not actually people that are willing to harm people callously does that make sense like their evil is in their desire to make money and the and the they don't care how they make it they just want to make it but they don't have Oh, desire to harm people themselves. Like the, the harm comes in under the unintentional consequence of yes, making, sure. Okay, it's a byproduct, and okay. I kind of think that's the story. It's just that we see them also be malicious and evil. That right. takes away from that. But yeah, it's the next step after you know, like like billionaires cannot be completely ethical, you know, because right. somewhere along the chain, somebody has been taken advantage of, right. That's the concept. Yeah. yeah it's just, all right. Let's make that sci-fi. <laughs> right. And I and I'm and I'm into that. I'm 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 into that. Because to me, in my mind, right, like a corporation, it's almost like, you know, when we when we read um uh uh, uh X-Men and they talk about like a dominion. Like oh. I feel like these corporations have reached dominion status where they're that huge. Um why would you bring up sense of sinister stuff in, in this great discussion. Uh, no, 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 no. The, <laughs> no, no. The, the, no that that's concept, hot box. That's hot yeah, that's, that's old. Hot that's, that's good yeah, shit. That's, that's old school. Now, fair, fair. And so, and so these these corporations have reached almost force of nature status. And the way that affects the world is what it is. Um, and I'm interested in that concept, and I love the way that it's executed by by Rucka and Lark. Um. Forever as a character, though, is challenged in this book by the fact that the family she loves doesn't actually love her. Mm -hmm. They use her and they play with the fact that she, that she loves them. The best uh, example of that is her relationship with her sister, Johanna, who is the most devious and and that's something that Ruck is so good at. These characters are fucking crazy. Johanna's a, a nightmare, and we see the way that she plays this whole situation, not just forever, but she plays her father. When she, um, you know, uh, concocts this narrative that her brother, who she has sex with, Johan. Jonah, Jonah. Jonah, I'm sorry. Um, abused her. D does she? Is that Was that implied? It's it, she's walking around with a black eye. No, no, sorry that she has sex with him. I, I didn't realize that that was like early uh, on. They're very close. It's very 
u- yeah. ultimate Quicksilver Scarlet Witch vibe. Someone even that. directly says it, and she gets upset. I think it's, yeah. it's their brother Stefan that says it, okay. um, but yeah. someone directly says it, and she gets really mad. Very uh, okay. Cheryl and uh, what's his face Blossom, you know, and, and uh, Jonah says that he loves her, and, and for me, when he's the way he said I loved her or I love her. Um, whenever forever is pressing him about this, it felt like he meant like he's in love. Oh, at the end where she kills him. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, oh wait, I'm even thinking that. <gasps> Bro, blowing minds over here. Um, but I feel bad for forever in those moments too, where she's being manipulated by her sister. She doesn't know it. We do, and she's so like. You can tell that in those moments, she's so happy that her sister's confiding in her, that she's talking to her, and it's all bullshit. It's all bullshit. So that's why, Tyler, I'm, like, surprised because I couldn't help if, but, like, my heart, you know, bleeds for this girl. I don't like the rich. <laughs> but they're not – she's not rich. Right. Remember, there's she, no she, money. She is a part of the the – she is a big cog in that machine. That's why, like, I I do want to read more though, because I imagine that'll shift. I I imagine. I I guess the the cookie cutter, you know, trajectory is that she realizes this whole world is a mess, and she helps revolt things potentially. Um, but well, we'll the story's still being told. Yeah, I know. I can. It's not even done yet. If it ever will be. But you haven't even gotten there yet. Tyler. This was even this yourself. was even like um option for a film that's uh, for a TV series. It's also been like languishing as well. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the nature of uh, you know holding deals in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the way this series begins. That first issue, the first page, those first few pages where we see Forever oh, get yeah. shot and killed. Presumably. And she, I mean, she does die. That's, that's what we see. Um, and then she gets back up and everybody, the guys that killed her think that, oh, you know, we did it and we'll just get to drinking and chilling. And then she bodies them. Yeah. Um, what a hot start and what a tremendous job by Michael Lark yeah. in depicting that understanding what we needed to see. We needed to see broken bones. We needed to see the violence and the visceral um, nature of a woman laying on the ground, blood everywhere, murdered, and then just getting back up. Because you don't even get that with Terminators. Because um, you know we don't really get to see all their blood and everything like that. You don't get that. They're machine, yeah. Right. She's not a machine. Can we just talk oh. about Mark- Michael Lark for a second? Because I think Michael Lark is fantastic. Um, yeah, you know, so I would good. love to see more Michael Lark. Um, but his way, like, like when we talk about. Um, artists where a lot of people look the same like there is so much diversity in, in terms of facial structure because this really is a character focused book it's about yes. family it's about the Lazarus. Um but the the everyone looks distinct mm-hmm. I don't get I'm not getting anyone really mixed up which yeah is I'm I'm, I'm you know I, I read a lot of comics so I, that is an issue for me because I read so much it's, I get a little lost between who's who because I'm reading, what, 30 different concurrent series at the same time, you know what I mean? Right. So um, the fact that this book is is 
is so good at that. And I think it's, it's, it's attributed really to Lark. Um, cause I could be like, oh yes, I know who that is compared to that other person. And it's a book that's not very colorful either. So, right. um, you can't even really play with color in terms of, you know, the way people dress a, a little bit here and there. Um, once we see like, you know, that, that compound and the, the conclave rather, um, we can see it played around there a little more. Um, mm-hmm. but I thought it was really well done. Even with the, the, the lift book, um, I can tell who each person is when they're all wearing dirty, grimy clothes. Um, or, or the family, great. right? Like the, yeah. the family yeah. that gets introduced. I can, I can make the distinctions. Oh yeah, this person is this person. And, and that's actually similarly, uh, Tyler, cause I feel like we read a lot of ensemble books and sometimes facial structure could just like get in the way for that. Um, and nice house, nice house is one where I was getting confused about who was who. Oh my God. All yeah. the time. Right. And, and even with the reference of like, this is, this is whatever the image I'd be like, yeah, is that, is that, yeah, that is okay. Well, you know what it is. I think it's a testament to Michael Lark. Absolutely. And his ability to create distinct yep. looking characters, but also the way that their personalities are so well-defined mm-hmm. and shine through. And that's the world building aspect. So it's world building through environment, right? That's the stuff we see. Yeah. Um, and that's the, you know, the, the counter, every scene we enter tells us how many members of the family, how many serfs and how many wastes are in a given location. Right. And that's the environment, the way the world looks, how awful it is. But world building by character is what allows us to understand who these people are so well without needing a voice or an actor to be present. Right. Because we know, like, if I ask you, who is Johanna? You know, because of the things that she's done and because of how crystal clear her personality is. Who's Marisol? You know, this book has, I don't even know, like 10 plus characters at least that you know by name. And you can tell me what they did because they get to do impactful things and their, 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 uh, their personalities are very, very distinct, but they also have relationships that we can track and identify with the main character and with each other. One of the one of the things I think is to that his style is a bit more uh, not cartoony, um, but he relies less on actual like definition. You know, this isn't very. Um, this isn't the, the art itself isn't so granular, right? You're not looking at the individual uh, like eyelashes to that degree, right? You're, you're seeing blocks of inks sometimes on when, especially when we pan away, but you can still see the design of the characters. And that also helps to provide that marker. of Oh, this is who this person is. This is who that person is in the same way that you can see somebody walk and understand, oh, wait, I think I know that person. I think he does that physically with his character designs. You can see the, the the silhouettes or you can see the what they might be wearing. And that is an additional signifier for who the person is, which again, another testament to Lark and just his ability to be different and distinguish those characters. Yeah. It's just it's just so so good. And you know, Michael Lark uh had a great run on Daredevil as mm-hmm. well. So this is not a this is not an artist that's not well known for being great. I think he's just been, I mean, he's just been working on Lazarus for all this time. Um, <laughs> Only. Right. And, 
that's you know kind of fall off the face of the earth um but yeah th- this this is one of the rare books that doesn't seem to have a problem uh um getting information across mm. of all aspects there's something very clear about the way that everything is presented to where i know i mean and again i've read this you know several times but um to where i don't get lost or confused ever and that's a good feeling simple panels just a great way to be able to communicate stuff and i think tyler's point on color it being very standard across the board there's there's there aren't many moments where things are incredibly bright or uh like you're using highlights as opposed to your base whatever palette there's a very there's a lot of consistency to it um which again helps to be able to guide you through the story sometimes that can get muddled but i think this is the opposite this is an, an opposite example yeah. Well, let, I want to talk a little bit about the lift arc, a little more about the lift arc, because there's a few things going on there that I think are worth highlighting. Uh, the lift itself, that concept. So to reiterate, it's where, you know, that hundreds of thousands potentially of people from America, or at least the part of America that's owned by Carlisle, which is generally the West Coast. Um, make up their pilgrimage uh, to try to be lifted up to become surf. So to go from waste to surf. Um, and again, we talked about how there's no money. So people that are waste, they get a, um, they're given food, like food is provided, but you got to get in the line. It's like a bread line. Like you so get in the ration. line, you get what, yeah, it's a ration. You get what you get and you're not getting more and you might not get what you need. It's government cheese. That's all. Right. Yo, shout out to government cheese. Um, and that and that's the life of a waste. You know, you might own property, and I use that with quotation marks, but you don't own it, you're renting it very clearly. It can be taken from you at any moment. Um, and you're there because you're performing a function. The millennial future. Got it. Right. Uh serfs have all their needs met. Everything is provided. Health, lodging, food, entertainment. You live well but you are a slave. You are only in that position of surf because you have the ability to provide something that the family needs to have. You know, doctors need to be present. So we see in the lift arc um, that, uh, you know, the, the, the main kid of the, of the Barrett family uh, ends up actually getting, getting lifted because he does have, uh, you know, this this talent, um, My, uh, Michael Barrett, I believe, um, because he does have this talent. He does, you know, understand a little bit about medicine, but mostly he just kind of thinks on his feet and is book smart. Mm. And that's enough because this world has robbed people of um, knowledge and the ability to pursue knowledge and, and, and intelligence. When it, When you're desperate, things get put to the wayside. And one of those things is often the pursuit of knowledge. There's no time or space to get smart when you need to get fed. You know, when you need to put food in your in your children's stomachs and you have to put everything into that, you don't have time to sit and read a book. And that's the world these people live in. That's interesting because I, I Rucka decided to keep that as a sort of hierarchy right, where um, during the pandemic, you had your essential workers, right? Those were more manual, 
physical labor as opposed to people who did not have to do so, right? And now, um, not to bring AI, AI into this, but stuff like ChatGPT is spinning that. It is it is putting into question whether or not there is value in learned knowledge because all that really is is you were taught something that somebody else didn't have time for or resources for necessarily. And um, so I, I found that interesting that he kept that as a premise and as a, uh, like, this is the next step up. Um, Cause that feels very, yeah, actually it feels familiar, dude. Like the only reason you're, you're around is because you're kind of good at your job. Right. That sucks. And yeah, no, 100%. And it's even worse because if let's say Marco, you know, you get tired of the crap at your job, you can leave and go work elsewhere, but there's only one game in town. You cannot leave family service. Right. Because if you if you if you're not serving the family, what's the value of your life? Nothing. Yep. And Sean, all the families and all of the territories still have that same hierarchy, or is that specific to the Carlisle family? They all have a version of the same thing. They yeah. all have a a a servant class and a. I don't even know a working class. Sure. Okay. Manufacturers. Yeah. yeah. The waste is jobs like. So a surf is probably the manager of the construction job. A waste is the guys that are doing the construction yeah. job. Yeah. And there's even like what I thought was an interesting thing too was like some of the surfs are actors, you know? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, are, it's, are, yeah. Yeah. Just like in our real, in our real world, if you're an actor Art. and you're talented, you're probably going to do all right. Why? Because you make people laugh. You make people feel things. You know, you're entertainment. This world still has entertainment. They like need to football teams. It needs it. Exactly. It needs needs all the the things to keep people in line that our world needs. Hmm. I wonder why our world has it. Yeah. Why are circuses, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Hmm. Open your third Um, eye, Marco. Oh, trust me. It's open, dude. And, that and, <laughs> and that part of the book where you see these families make the pilgrimage and you see the yeah. desperation um, and you see people just trading in the middle of this crazy, you know, movement on this highway, you see people just trading for essential goods and things like that. Um, it really impacted me because it made me think about the fact that first of all, today, right now, there are people that desperate. There are people who would do anything to get lifted to where we are. The people in this conversation, there are people in this world who would do anything to get lifted to where we are. And we would say, eh, we're not doing that great. You know, we're okay. One of the things that also reminded me too of the left was like, just like the lottery in general, you know, like who do you see, who do you see playing the lottery? Make, you know, doing scratch offs. Maybe people that don't really have the money to be throwing ten dollars at a piece of paper that gets them nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's always this this like almost like a pipe dream, but like somebody wins it, you know, somebody gets lifted. So of course I'm gonna keep wanting to do it. I gotta be in it to win it, sort of thing. Um, that's what it reminded me of too. And just like the lottery is essentially a money making scheme. Yeah, it's it's a, a taxation on the poor, essentially. Right. The yeah. lift is in, it's not in any way, shape, or form altruistic. It's yeah. literally present 
to inspire the people to think that things can get better and also to find new people to perform at the pleasure of the family. Mm. And we see that, you know, families of people that get lifted to surf are well taken care of, but there's an ulterior motive there as well. Um, If you are good enough to get lifted, that means you've got great genes and it means you're smart. You're probably going to produce decent children. That's also eugenics. Yeah. Yeah, that just means more serfs. <laughs> right. And the Carlisle family is not opposed to eugenics. They've done it on themselves. Yeah. But keeping undesirables out of the pool is what they're doing. And they keep the waste far away. We see, uh, what's her name? Uh, we see that Casey, Casey Solomon, who's Michael Barrett's girlfriend, Ancestry. she gets rejected <laughs> because she's going to get breast cancer soon. Yeah, or she you has know, the in her risk, future. The potentially. Risk of potentially. Right, potentially, maybe. Yeah. Damn. That's gene cleansing. Yeah. Do do any of the families ever I don't know uh, mate outside of the family? No, right? Um I can't think of an example of that it's off almost, the top it's of my head. Almost like a, a, a gross exaggeration of the royal family, you know, like how that gene pool is shallow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And and we and I don't know if this was Rucka's specific intention, but like that's what I thought about with Jonah and Johanna. Oh, sure. Okay. But one hmm, one would assume I don't know if this gets explored later, but one would assume that those are important marriages though right you want to because because in in volume three um sorry i'm skipping uh, a little bit go. but um they have the the map as, as it opens not the map but like the breakdown of the families and who's aligned with who and who has better relationships and yeah. who's enemies and who's actually kind of neutral like i wonder if that doesn't also play into like the family politics of i'm going to ally myself and therefore this couple should get married right um so the family dynamics and relationships are fluctuating and we see that um but again these are people that are not they don't stand on um they don't need to do that they're all motivated by business and what makes the most sense from that aspect Mm. they don't really care or seem to care who's married to who who said what about who they only care about you know are we going to benefit if so let's let's align if not you might as well be dead i don't think there's any love between any of these people outside of the families yeah and there's lacking love within the families these people are literally greed. They're just greed personified. That's all they are. Like even as family, you have to provide a function. Like you have to provide a value, and and that's why they let him take Jonah because he's like, yeah, he doesn't really like. He doesn't matter, right? And he, and and as far as he knows, his son's dead. He was the failed son that he was willing to sacrifice. He he was the failed son willing to to sacrifice, but because he knew that he would probably be taken. I, I wonder what the end goal therein was. And, you know, that happens later and spoiler, but like, you know, the dad 
ultimately dies, right? The head of the family dies. And so I, we don't know up until this point, his machinations, maybe there was intention there and he's going to screw over Hawk, right? Is that his name? Mm -hmm. Right. Maybe he's going to actually somehow screw him over because he foresaw that. So first of all, you think he's dead. Yeah. Damn, dude, I keep doing that. Ah, don't assume. Dude, you know what the next, assume. the next arc poison is so, oh. so good. And I, I wanted to include it, but I just felt like it would take us too long. I do. I, I did finish this and I was like, shit, why'd you right? Same. For anybody interested, I think up until volume five, it is on. I'm going to confirm that right now. It is available on Comicsology Unlimited. Yeah. And, um, it also made me be like, man, I wish I watched, I watched Succession. I feel like I would like this, you know, <laughs> this is like sci-fi Succession in a way. So I wanted to ask you guys, when we get to the end of the lift arc, right? Um, and there's the whole subplot with the, uh, with the terrorists and stuff like that. Don't reference that yet. I want to talk about that. But um, when we see Michael and his family get lifted, ultimately, mm. um, how did you guys take that end? How did you guys take those last pages where they find out and like, you know, everything's going to be better now or whatever? Like, how did you feel about that? Rubes, bunch of rubes. Wait, when they told them that you're fin- like they're in the hospital and everything. Yeah. When Casey I, I, wakes up and he's like, they I took was, us both. I was hopeful. Oh. Yo, am I getting played, dude? You're getting played like a fiddle, oh, Marco. God, I'm such a sucker for this shit. If you got a boot, Marco will give it a little kiss. I'll give it a, a big old lick. Suck on that boot. Um, <laughs> no, I was like, man, these people had potential to like, like especially the mom. The mom, I was like, yo, she's going to join in on this revolt or whatever. You know, mm. She's going to side with those terrorists. And then, nope, they get, they get, uh, they get quelled, you know? But this is this is exemplary of the real world. Yeah, 100%, in, in my yeah. mind, so many people who, and obviously their story's not fully told yet, and we don't know where it goes. And okay, you know, they we do get more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. I wasn't um, sure about that. Yeah, and you know we we know that they clearly seem to be a good a good group of people, but so many well intentioned people fall for the trap of thinking that they can make change from the inside or mm-hmm. um, once they get comfortable, that's it. Like once they make it out of their situation and they get elevated to that upper echelon, they no longer need to concern themselves with the problems that they used to have or the people that still have them. Right. Um, but it's hard to feel like what they do here is wrong by choosing to, first of all, you don't choose to be lifted. You get lifted. Yeah. And that's it. Right. But it's hard to feel like this is not a good thing for them because while everything I just said is true, the life they're going to be able to live is far superior to the desperation and, you know, grabbing at scraps that they were doing before. It's measurably better. 100%. It's like going from homelessness to the Taj Mahal. I mean, you don't even need that. It's going from going to homeless. So you have uh, an apartment, you know, like, like you don't even need to make the large leap. It, it is, it is such a distinct life that there is, there is value to it. And it's to the degree to which you're willing to sacrifice parts of yourself. And they haven't 
explored what you need to give for that yet, which was, I think, so interesting for me is I felt immediately relief because they, they are there and they made it. I'm like, oh, cool. This is a great family to follow. And this is a good, going to be a good story to follow. But now that you guys are raising that, it is, oh, but what, what do they have to give for that? Yeah, I, I didn't blame them at all. I, I, yeah. I was like, well, the system is working in the way it's intended. You know? 100%. It was more yeah. like I didn't blame the family. I was just more mad at the system. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. likewise. And as far as what they have to give, the answer is everything. The answer mm-hmm. is that you – so you already don't have agency. You already don't have – you know, you can't use financial freedom to, to escape anything. You can't go work for another boss, right? But you have sort of, I guess you could say, like anonymity in the sense that you're not on their radar as much. In the case of serfs, you have a job that's deemed important. So stepping out of line, like they'll know you're doing it and you will die for it. Yeah. You know, and there's no in between. So it's a scary tightrope you have to walk on, but everybody's doing it. Um. I wanted to also point out that the current year is not known by the way that we establish time, but it is year X plus 64. And I believe that X denotes Christ. the year that the Macau, the Macau Accords were signed. It's, it's essentially them supplanting Christ in a way, too. It's it's, it's not BC anymore. Oh, shit. It's not AD or ad, ad dominum, I believe. Uh, um, something like that. It's like, no, we're we're what's important now. We're starting the calendar over. That's the most egotistical thing that's possibly could ever happen. And if, think about what I just said. Plus 64, right? So that's 64 years. They old, which only. means that everybody that we see in this story who's not a member of Carlisle or some kind of a machine was not alive or likely wasn't alive in the world before, or they're old now. They're really old. Yeah. So for for Michael, the kid, and his parents, most likely, they've never seen a world that wasn't like this. So the concept of rebellion and revolution and all of those things, while it clearly exists and we see it in pockets and spaces, is not nearly as powerful as the concept of a modicum of security. Fuck. That's so, that's so shit. Because in fact, I'll just bring this up real quick. In one of the comments that uh, was sent into, you know, the, the team that Greg responded to said, listen, I think it's a great book. I don't believe the revolution part. I don't believe that that revolution we saw in the lift arc is all that there is. And I don't believe that this is the way that would look. I think that people would revolt so severely more than this. Yeah. Mm. Um, and Greg was like, listen, you're not wrong, but you also are operating without full information. You have to remember that the people that are alive now have never really known a world that wasn't under the control of these families. And all that resistance was beaten out 3.9 plus million people ago. Because remember, genocide also happened, right? Like it's it's not like like the pop. Did you forget about look, the genocide. <laughs> go back, go back, right, and look at the amount of waste and surf that are in any place, 
And think about the environment of that place in our world. Look at Manhattan. Yeah. The hawk controlled Manhattan. Yeah. It's like a few hundred thousand people, or even if it's a million, whatever number it is, it's still way smaller than our real world. And less of this world is inhabited than ours now. Yeah. So people are living, um, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's less dense. It's, it's less dense, if you will. I like Marco's slow realization of how horrible this world is. Bro, because like... Cause, it's, it's, cause like I, the, it's like that meme of that guy taking a <laughs> selfie on Snapchat, and it's like, <laughs> just found out what racism is. It really sucks. Because <laughs> I, I didn't even make that connection of like, all right, you have, right, you have won the power of time, where you have removed the thought uh, or removed the experience, the relatable experience of what potential freedom might be what revolution might be you have already been solidified into this uh structure mm-hmm. and even if you go back into history you learn oh if i say otherwise i'm going to be one of these f- almost four million people right and so they have this disincentivized learning already we, we've established that through the the story itself but not only that the the fact that that was the one person to be like let me revolt because you already have a small population to start with. Yeah, it makes sense. You only have the one person out of 100,000 people where if maybe your population was 300 million people, you'd have more volume, but that proportion stays the same. That part was scary. That realization right now was scary is you've removed enough volume to even minimize the portion that would dissent. And Rucka also makes the point that what we saw is not necessarily all that there is. Sure. Um, But... As you can imagine, revolting now is not as simple as going on Twitter and saying you're mad. Taking any kind of action comes with so much risk that you have to be deliberate. And so in my mind, right, real revolutionary groups are operating so below ground and so behind the scenes. And they don't take any action unless it's really going to like their shorts worth the, the, the risk. It's guaranteed. Yeah. So, um. I agree that I would like to see more revolution and what that looks like. But I think for the early arcs, um, the way it was presented makes sense. I did have another question, though. Um, How did you feel about the pacing? That was great. I thought it was good. I like how the the actual books are essentially standalone stories. Yep. Um, I thought that was good. With forever being the the thread between it all. I... I think that that was done deliberately, uh, especially if you look at image at that time, um, you know, you had to make sure that your book was accessible. Not every book gets to be saga where you can tell a long story that you kind of have to start from the beginning or whatever. I guess 50 was a jumping on point or 51 or whatever, but like you had a jumping on point 50 issues deep. Like that's pretty sure. nuts. Um, and Lazarus has, a, has had a lot of problems with, um, scheduling and things like that the lift arc is where i think people started to kind of fall down fall off that's the nature of comics as well you know you end up with less people than you start with but um lift very specifically shows us flashbacks is kind of slow and i think for me personally i love every second but if i take it out of myself i could see how people maybe we're hoping for a little bit more action, 
a little bit more intensity that we really start to see in the third arc, Conclave? Mm, I think the pacing the way that they split it out because the first trade is like four issues right because you're you're trying to capture whatever that first intention is then it's six and then it's i think another six um i mm, i don't know I, I i definitely think that there is the talkiness of some of the moments in volume three help build story and character mm-hmm. where vo- lift is this is this is ground level we've been operating with with forever and she's been you know she is in contact with the carlisles she's in constant communication with them and that is a different perspective than i'm on the ground floor now alongside with like jonah where he is right and um i i like the way that that rucka brings us from this is what the upper echelon is dealing with to let me mix in some of the uh like plebs less than whatever and then bringing it back to all right now we're at this like fancy establishment and and there is a party going on and and, uh there is political interaction Mm. that 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 trajectory is very good i think for storytelling felt like the wire for me like like book two is season two of the wire you know it's like all right let's get a different perspective of the same world yeah yeah um it's not necessarily bad uh, but it's a different perspective. I, I enjoyed book two a lot. I also enjoyed season two of The Wire. You would. It's good. It's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's just. People hate on it. It's good, but Z- uh, Ziggy is yeah. intolerable. One of the worst characters ever. Um, Kind of like uh, Jonah in this. Kind of feels a little bit like that. The fail <laughs> Yeah. And And you know what's funny is I think in a weird way, Jonah serves, serves a similar purpose to Ziggy. In the sense that Jonah Jonah doesn't understand what it takes to be his father. Mm. He doesn't necessarily even want to be. He wants to reap the benefits of his father's work. He's new world rich, not old world rich. Um, because Malcolm was there at the beginning. Malcolm is the same guy. He just figured out the code to you know, eternal life, essentially. So the family and everything that they have now starts with him. Um, Jonah and the kids have only benefited. So they have that um, privileged attitude about them because of that fact. Damn. Dude, this is a deep book, and I've thought about it a lot over the years. (laughs) It's just... I. We come into these conversations sometimes, and I'm like, "Yeah, we're gonna talk about comics, right?" And then we start talking about this like other shit, and it's just it's amazing. This is the same kind of stuff that, and for listeners who don't know, um, "Killer Be Killed," another just like oh, good ass conversation I on stuff. Love "Killer Be Killed." I wasn't Dude. there for when you guys talked about it, but but, but again, it's just like like this is the way that um, writers will express depth of ideas, and I think that Rucka has locked in on an idea about class about power about corporations and he just like is able to proliferate yeah yeah just genius layered writing that's so smart and attentive Mm. um i love it uh let's talk about the third arc because this is really where we get to see more lazari right like we did already we saw joaquin already but we see um, (laughs) lazaruses 
we see the Bittner Lazari or Lazarus rather, uh, uh, Sonia Bittner. Um, I like uh, we her. See, I like yeah, her. Oh, she was she was cool because she is another Lazarus who is actually similar to yeah. Forever. She has that similar naivete about her, but what she's lacking is the curiosity about life. What she's lacking is that ability to kind of think for herself and look outside of the world outside her window. She's like a killer golden retriever. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Um, And that scene where the where the various uh, Lazari are like playing cards or whatever they were playing and they get mad at each other. And we see the uh, the Lee Lazarus, who is um, uh, the one that uh, the, the, the one from China. Um, the Lee family, Lazarus, uh, Lee Zhao Long is his yep. full name, um, who I who I also really liked. And I think the implication was that the way he resolved that situation was actually not nearly as bad as it could have gone. Yep. So I was like, oh, shit, what could have happened right here? Like, how bad could this have been? <laughs> you got a room full of trained killers. Right. If one of them has, you know, a stink. That's and then and then what happens if all the if most of the Lazari are dead? Then you know the actual families could be like, all right, well, there's their defense. You know, yeah, it's a domino situation at that point. It's it's, it's literally a powder keg room. It's almost uh not quite, but almost like a Inglorious Bastards the bar scene. It's like oh, mm-hmm. something something really bad could happen here. But you know what's so interesting about it too, dude, is that the Lazari are not bad people. Like they're all cool with each other. Yeah, they're They're all chill. Yeah, like outside of what they do for their, you know, their life's um, uh, the reason they exist, they're pretty chill. And you could chill with most of them. The only one that's like an active douche is uh, Christoph Mueller, the the Rousling family's uh, Lazarus. But he's he's a regular dude. Like he's a he's a from what we know, he's a dude who was, you know, served in the army or whatever, and they made him their Lazarus. So he still got all the anger problems and everything else um, that a regular guy would have, like PTSD or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I just love that scene. I thought it was a fantastic scene. I really liked um, Jolani Nicosi also. Mm. He was cool. He, he had, he yeah, had Sonia Bittner... It, he she was in his thrall <laughs> she was in his thrall i loved it um this was my favorite arc this was good this this just provided more detail it provided context a lot for in a lot of ways for again just adding to character yeah yeah big time um and seeing the interpersonal drama start to actually become a factor within the story, seeing the drama between the different families and how devious they are. The Hawk Carlisle feud is so crazy because they're so maniacal. Like who kidnaps someone else's child and then tries to steal family secrets from the body of the child. What the hell is Rucka thinking about? This man's a genius deviant. What if he had the what if he was in these positions? Think about what he thinks about. Who is this guy? But he pays attention. Yeah. That's all he does. He pays attention to the way that these people really are, and he turns it up to 11. That's all he did. 
it, mm-hmm. it really is a, a masterclass in world building. Yeah, and that's why I'm I'm kind of upset with like that it's taking so long, you know? Right. Um, and we don't really know where. Not that I want to put fault anywhere, but we don't know where that that lies, you know. Um. So Ruck has done a lot of interviews and talked about that and been asked about that, and it's a confluence of things as it always is. Um. So part of it is the fact that you know making a monthly comic takes a lot of time mm-hmm. and they were behind from the beginning uh quickly they and they went from being monthly to every five weeks and then they went from 299 to 399 yeah and then it was every other month officially um and i was following along diligently throughout that whole process um and then it became too much even for me like a what i i consider myself to be a diehard Lazarus fan. And I, I was reviewing these books for another place. Um, and I, I gave it tens every time, um, because I loved it that much. You're Wednesday warrior. 100%. Um, but it got to be that it was like really difficult to even know when it was coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd go to the store thing. I was going to pick up Lazarus and it wasn't there. Um, and then the X plus 66 thing started and I was like, ah, where's this going? And they were dropping source books instead of core issues. And I was like, well, if you can do a source book, why can't you do a core issue? Yeah. Um, and I, I understand, especially now that the realities of making comics are such to where, you know, you don't always have control. Um, it was hard for Michael Lark. Very hard. And, and everybody. So um, the place where the book is today, it's we read 16 issues, I think. And since then, there have only been 12 core issues. That's crazy. Yeah. It's what? One and a half more trades? If that. No, it'll be uh, two trades. There are five issues yeah. each. Yeah. So two, two trades. Well, and six, change. 12, 12. Yeah. But whatever the amount, it's, a, it's, it's frustrating that that is the amount, right? Especially over the time, knowing how comics are published, knowing like, yes, time involved, sure, but like still. Yeah, it's sad because this book, to me, there's no reason why Lazarus isn't spoken about in the same breath as any of the other image classics that people talk about. I believe it's just as good or better. I really do. I don't think Greg Rucka missed at all. Um, I think everything he tries to do in these first three volumes works. And if it's not fully realized, you're asking questions that make you want to see more. Yeah. What more can you ask for? I want more Rucka. It's in general in my yeah, comic books. dude. Yeah. yeah, super, super, super talent, and he had a lot of success with the old guard. Yeah, um, good movie which too. Yeah. Had a movie. Um, Charlie. I didn't like it as much as the book, but you know, yeah, Charlie's. Yeah, eh, fine. Um, and then the forged is mm-hmm. happening now. I haven't gotten to that one yet. Um, weird size book i saw it in the shop yeah yeah i picked it up um i just haven't had the chance to read it there's so much cool stuff in this book yeah um that i feel like we haven't even talked about because it's so dense it's so dense there's so much like like i prepared a lot for this conversation um and we we don't have the time to get to everything that i wanted to get to because (laughs) this is just the first three volumes like for example Sorry, go ahead. Was it hard, like, trying to limit yourself to the first three because we only read the first three? You're like, oh, I want to talk about this, though, you know? 
the fourth arc is just poison. So crazy. It's so good. Um, and I really feel like the book is constantly building towards bigger and better. Every arc is better than the last. And so by the time I got to the fourth one, I couldn't even believe it. I was like, holy shit, how is this this good? Am I the only person reading this? Um, so did you guys know that Tyler Boss worked on this? No way. Yeah. What do you do? Tyler Boss is Michael Lark's inking assistant. Oh. From okay. the second arc or the third arc on. You know what? That tracks. Tyler Think Boss is also a very a little more cartoony, but a lot a very flat style. Yeah. Kind of okay. I'm a big Tyler Boss. I love Tyler Bosses. So good. Yeah. Interesting. I, I I thought that was cool and I thought it was worth pointing out. Um I thought I, I thought that uh this book hit with every issue, but issue eleven in particular, I was just on the edge of my seat. Um it starts with the Sonia Bittner. Um uh she comes to Carlisle territory wanting oh, to with see the finger. Oh man, yeah. Which, yeah. So yeah, and her design, the way her her design with the cloak, scary dude, swords. Oh my god! And and this is why I actually like the character a lot because she's scary. And then once we get to know her, she's like, oh, it's just like she's sweet, you know. That's how I feel about (laughs) forever. Yeah. That yeah, like the 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 that's what makes the Lazarus so interesting is that they're killing machines by and large, but they're chill. Like that that gala sequence where um you know where they they dance and things like that like that was you know like getting to see forever get dressed up and mm. you know dance with Joaquin like I really loved that the the moment where they're in like uh let me pull it up where they're just like close to I guess on the outside of whatever it was the the venue and mm-hmm. they're just talking about like like the, the, the first kiss and it's like I want to take your second your third like. Like those are, I thought those were incredible moments to be able to like show vulnerability yeah. for this character who otherwise has to be so like rigid and uh, has to be fierce, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's brilliant. It's it's absolutely uh, it's absolutely a phenomenal story. Um, I really would love to come back and do more on Lazarus. Uh, because I think, you know, not enough people talk about it. And uh, I think our listeners would really enjoy this book. I think we have smart listeners who who want stories that challenge them. And I think this book does that. There are going to be times where you're going to want to look away. There are going to be times where you're like, ah, this is too much. But I think if you stick with it, um, you find a story that really has a lot of heart, a lot of depth, and something to say that we need to hear. This is the ideal blueprint for the uh worker corporation class we're going to set up whole societies oh, oh, about end of the it. show end of the show <laughs> hmm? final thoughts Marcus like i'm not gonna lick the boot i'm gonna wear the boot <laughs> final thoughts um i want to continue this i'm yeah. i'm yeah. so appreciative of like what we got to read of the thought put the the palpable thought put into what this series is mm-hmm. that um the fact that there is more to come 
is exciting. And so, um, good job, Sean. You (laughs) write about shit. You read good comics or whatever the fuck. Hashtag Sean was right. Uh, well, we're, we're not we need that, that on a shirt. Yeah. Oh, I can make one. I got you. Not I got, on the merch I got, page. I got DMCA'd by uh, Disney once for doing a, a Magneto, a Cyclops is right shirt. Oh wow. Well, Oops. in this case, it's Sean. So yeah. But but uh, ultimately, I think this was uh, a testament to Rucka and to Lark. This this is just good work across the board, and. Uh, it's a shame that they've only gone so far because there's so much ground to be covered here. Yeah, for me, like this is one of the few books, you know, mostly because I read a lot and it's a little hard, like after these book clubs, when we read books that aren't one and dones to be like, oh, I'm going to read that next one. It's because I read a lot currently. This mm-hmm. is one This is the one where we're like, no, 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 I'm going to read that next arc. <laughs> like I will be reading that, I, you know, um, and I just think it's like, I hope, I hope this can finish, you know, mm-hmm. like I hope that Rock and Lark can get to an end of this because as a whole, that's going to be some good stuff. You know, imagine like an omnibus. Rucka talked about a, a multi-year plan to finish out the story. Um, I, used, I, I, used to have, I used to have one of those and look how my last year went, you know, <laughs> I can't believe that it's still going to take more than a few years to wrap up or rather more than a couple of years to wrap up. Um, yeah. You know, it's already been 10 years, so that's a long time. Um, I love this comic book with my whole heart. Lazarus is incredible. Um, this conversation doesn't eat, like, as I think we had a great conversation. Yeah. It doesn't do justice to how good this book is. And it doesn't do enough to say how much you should buy this. If you haven't read it. Hmm. Um I recommend this to people that like, and I and I hate to use like like crude generic pop culture examples, but um, to get you in the door, right? Game of Thrones, you know, if you like that, before it was popular, yeah, yeah, you'll like you'll like this. The Matrix, if you like that, you'll like this. Um, that kind of thing, those kinds of stories, I think, you know, you find their DNA in this. You know, it's a story of resistance. It's a story of rebellion, but it's steeped in some real heavy, murky waters. It's a little bit like Elysium. You ever see that movie? Yeah, I love yeah. that movie. Yeah, that was awesome. Neil Blomkamp. And District Nine. District Nine is one of, and like my top ten. Yeah, I love that's District so 9. good. District I wrote a whole, I wrote a whole thesis in college about District Nine. Actually, oh wow, nerd about uh, comparing it to apartheid. So, oh. Ooh. Buy this comic if you're ready to challenge yourself. Buy this comic if you want to think deeply. Um, buy this comic if you like complex stories mm-hmm. um, that don't hold your hand. You know, we're not we're not sitting here saying this is like easy reading. No, it's not baby's first comic. No. I, I, I think I think thematically it is not, but I think mechanically you can you can walk into this and you yeah. could follow along, you can understand, but yeah, thematically it is it is not it is heady. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. If I knew someone who watched prestige television and could follow you know the wire sopranos breaking bad like if if you're into those things on the deeper level not just like the funny parts then you should read this because this is that yeah it for comics this is that good in comic form um we hope you enjoyed this conversation we hope you go read lazarus thank you so much for listening to us if you want to 
listen to more of us and find out more about what we do. Uh, we are the Comics Pals everywhere. If you enjoyed this, we appreciate your support. A like, um, a follow, wherever you're listening helps us out a lot. Goes a long way. If you want to go even deeper, patreon.com slash the Comics Pals is a great way to do that. You will be able to influence what we read next. If you want us to read more Lazarus, joining our Patreon and letting us know that is the way that that happens. And if I get, whenever I get to vote next, you know, I put Lazarus up there, you'll have the ability to make sure that we get to the next few arcs and actually get current. This is one of the rare times where we actually have an opportunity to get current with a book that we've done for a book club. Bro, that's wild. It's true, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if 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 you guys want to continue that journey, you're in control of that. Let us know. Uh, join our Discord server. There's a link to it in the description. We're always having great conversations, so we appreciate people that come hang out with us. And for everything else, at the Comics Pals. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Until next time, take care, guys. <laughs>